Hello, this is Paul, and as always, I have with me my co-host Adrian. This is Big Facts No Cap, the only show that's number one with dog walkers and star of Fast and Furious 2, Paul Walker. Let's go. It's been a long day without you, my friend, and I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. All right. What's Bracken, Paul? Not much, YG. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, what's goody? Um, no, uh, we might have to cut this. I'm currently in the middle of a video about AAVE, so uh, I'm trying to educate myself. We'll see. We'll see whether or not we're going to cut this. Um, um so, um, yeah, what's, what's going on, dude? How's your, how's your week been? Um, it's been pretty good. Yeah. Um, the, the we're recording on a tuesday and as i've already established change upsets me so i'm just learning to forgive and forget at the start of this episode before we I move on to the good times sincerely apologize about that um off top i'm gonna go ahead and say um following up on last week i am currently drinking uh jack rabbit's uh bandana hoppy red ale uh, i love a good red ale and this is delicious uh jack rabbit you know where to find me you know you know my number Hit me up if you want me to start doing this a little bit more uh, oomph for the uh, for the ad revenue. <laughs> um, I think Adrian's Adrian's beer corner is becoming a beloved part of the show already. Even <laughs> even the yeah, it's only literally the a, episode. It's the ABC segment, Adrian's beer corner. Ooh, ooh, could spin this off into its own franchise. I'm thinking six movies and it, six seasons in a movie. <laughs> Or six movies. Six, six movies. Six, what a like deal the Fast and Furious franchise. I, I've, yeah. I've got Paul No, that's Walker like Adam Sandler's uh, Netflix deal type shit. Where like you got to be at a <laughs> big level for them to be like, yeah, six movies, no questions asked. Let's I'm get thinking, em. I'm thinking six seasons and one of those books with a really glossy cover. That's a novelization of the TV show. That's a really right. good um, Mike Kaplan joke where he talks about like when he when a book gets made into a movie and they re-put the book out with like the actor's face on the cover and he's like oh i didn't know brad pitt was in this book when he talks about fight club <laughs> it's a it's a really good bit this is this is why you come to big facts no cap the only show that that repurposes all the best bits from our favorite comedians <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just a distillation of all those things um yeah so i'm gonna say off top um given the topic that we're covering today i think this might be our most controversial episode to date oh yeah because i think we both have an edgy opinion on this topic and yeah it's i like, think we do <laughs> it's one of the few things where it it's like um no matter where you're from what your history is what your life perspective is it's something that almost every human on earth has the opposite opinion of me and you i think you're the only person i've ever met i previewed <laughs> this opinion with a friend and they were like yeah i guess that makes sense if you're heartless and i was like okay <laughs> all right this does people, not bode well for me <laughs> people are so aggressive towards this opinion we have all right so let's get into it the holocaust uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was good um is there anything, are there any past controversies or controversies, or as the BBC would say, a row that you would like to uh, address before we get into this one? Um, did you get any critiques or feedback from previous episodes? Oh, yeah. I would like to uh, apologize to my uh, friend Anna, who in the Office Poopers episode, I did not, I didn't give her her credit for being one of my best office friends who's always up to go get a coffee with me. She said, uh, she said that was disrespectful. So shout out to Anna and I apologize. 
Nice. I want to apologize from the general lack of female perspective on our program. I just want you guys <laughs> to know that we're working on it. Um, we will bring in other people for other relationship episodes. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to address? I don't think I have anything that I need to that I feel the need to address. Like I certainly got feedback, but nothing that I care to respond to. <laughs> yeah. Sim- same. No, yeah. Uh, no super important feedback from the last week. Okay, so this week we're talking about pet care, and we're talking about pets. And I'll just start with, I know you had pets growing up. I never had a single pet growing up, so I never really grew uh, an Paul affinity. Paul is a, uh, a gold star non-pet owner. <laughs> <laughs> I never really grew an affinity for pets. In fact, I was scared of dogs until well into middle school. Um, until it became embarrassing to show up to a friend's house and be scared of dogs, so I just kind of decided to get over it. Which is, I assume, not the therapist-recommended way to overcome trauma, to just, like, be afraid of the social <laughs> lashback and just decide it's not going to be a thing anymore. I mean, uh, it's effective. I, it works for a lot of things. And because of that, I could never really imagine owning a dog. I, I think they're cute sometimes. I think they can be charming and fun. I Everybody who's obsessed with a dog feels like they're from another planet to me i never really yeah. quite get that <laughs> like I, I i see dogs that i think could be like entertaining for a short while but i've never ever seen a dog that i'm like i absolutely need to have one in my house all the time to bother me yeah 100 percent, absolutely uh it's like uh the argument about like there's a lot of uh upkeep involved with having a pool so it's better to have a friend who has a pool than for you to have a pool yeah if you occasionally enjoy it, like, yeah, that's a way better way to go. And I think that's really it. Like, it's, um, so I had a few pets growing up. We were real country folk. You know, we had animals around all the time. I had pet chickens growing up. Um, I had a couple of pet dogs that met some, uh, ill fates. Uh, a cat named Artemis. Um, also, just a fun fact, our pet chicken was named, uh, Chicken. Uh, cause I think Doralee got to name it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, we had a couple of pet dogs. Uh, You're lucky it years. wasn't named Black Lives Matter. <laughs> um, it, it's one of those things where uh, I think to be fair, or either because I had a sense of fairness, when my sister asked for a dog, I would also ask for a dog. So we always got dogs in pairs. Um, but I thought you also, I, I remember a bunch of the dogs that you had, I thought they all came from the same litter that you found under a truck or something that like that. That was our like last pair of dogs, yeah. Okay. So. I didn't actually want to keep them, but I was the one who at my uncle's house found them under a truck. Uh, And so we tried to find their parents. We don't know what happened to them. And we were like, okay, well, uh, we can try and give them away. And then my parents, because I think at that point, my parents were like, I don't think we want any more pets. Uh, And then it it just was one of those things where like they just end up sticking around anyways. Um, Which one? um, Lady was from which batch of dogs? Lady was from the story that I told in an unreleased episode where Doralee and I went to Pets Inc. when we were like when I was in like third grade to get pets for Christmas. Okay, so for uh, for the podcast, if Adrian had one pet that stood out above all the rest, and he had you know birds and lots of dogs and lots of stuff going on in his I had house. Ferrets in college, yeah. We had a I think I had fish yeah. in college as well. Yeah. Of all of them, Lady, the big fat pure white dog. Is definitely the one that like springs to mind first when I think Adrian and Pets. She had a she had a personality for sure. She was actually Doralee's dog, but yeah. Uh, well, okay, but they were your family. Let's admit it; all of them, your parents took care of them. But yeah, mostly. Um, so yeah, I've had many pets throughout the years. The only pet where I decided to get it really, like as a cognizant adult, um, was the fish in freshman year of college with my with my roommate Patrick. Um, 
and then um man my ferrets i won't not a story to tell on the podcast but that night patrick got really drunk and wanted sashimi it's just tragic uh um so yeah yeah and i all the pets that i chose as an adult i really loved as a kid i liked them a lot but i think it was very like much this ephemeral you ask for a pet you try and convince your parents that you're gonna like take care of it and love it for a long time but like in general like yeah i was kind of like i don't know i'm kind of tired of this thing <laughs> which is a really fucked up opinion to have about a living being but like um like fuck dude yeah i just i'm not actually that into dogs it was always like really uh temporal um like Dorley is getting a dog and I was like, well, that's not fair. I want a dog. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> especially since, so the big thing was we had a cat when I was younger, but I think it was like my shrimp allergy where it didn't develop until I was older, or I think it was only an outdoor cat. But what I've always really wanted in terms of temperament and what I think matches my personality is a pet cat. But uh, as I grew older, I am like uh, deathly allergic to most cats. Um, and so it's a very tragic thing where like I'm less allergic to dogs, but I think dogs are lame as fuck lived with a dog for like the last nine months before I moved into my new place. But that was a very special scenario because it was a corgi. So it was cuter than like 99% of dogs I've ever met. It also had very cat-like attributes. Like it wouldn't greet me at the door by like running and jumping on me and like licking my face. She would come up to me. She would roll over and like ask to be pet. And I was like, okay, that's cute. I can do that. Um, But yeah, the typical dog traits of being like super needy and super like rambunctious and like super like don't understand boundaries to me, that's like the quintessential, like dogs are annoying. They're so needy. Uh, I don't understand why you like want this affection in this kind of way. Uh, they're so dumb in most like- Oh my God, that one gets me. When pet owners talk about how smart their dog is, I'm like, yeah, but not even as smart as a fucking human baby. Like these animals <laughs> are objectively all morons. And when people talk about like the small things their dog does that makes them so smart or like humanizes them or gives them a personality- I'm it's always like as a non-pet owner it's always such banal bullshit that doesn't actually pass like yeah and like my test for what would be worth telling a story about it's I think that's another stand-up bit that I want to bring in but from a less famous comedian so shout out to local Columbia comedians it was a guy at an open mic who was talking about how like back when dogs used to have jobs like those were smart (laughs) dogs And, like, obviously there are breeds that were still meant to do certain things and, like, have instincts and that, like, affects their behavior. Like, there's cool biology behind how dogs have been artificially selected. But, yeah, in most cases, if if your dog can, like, uh, I don't know, fetch you the paper, that's cool. The fact that you can't leave the house for more than four hours without it having a mental breakdown means that something is <laughs> fucked up about how we've bred these dogs. Like, let's get that straight, dude. That shit's That shit, to me, is, like, insane that anyone lets a dog dictate their life in that way. <laughs> um... And so moving forward to one of the pets you do like, uh, this isn't a secret because I was never good at hiding my emotions and made this clear to you all the time, but I fucking hated your ferrets, like, a lot. Oh, they were adorable. In fact, even when we were going to do this, uh, when we were going to do this episode, I was looking for advice columns on pets. I literally was like, oh, let me find one on ferrets. And the first thing I typed in was dumb long rat because I couldn't remember the word for ferret. And then I, that one, nothing came up. So then I typed in. Oh, really? I thought it was going to be like when you, um, when you like try and look for a snake and you type in like danger noodle, (laughs) it pulls up snake. (laughs) Um, and then, yeah, so I typed in stoner's pet. Wait, are you introducing your article right now? Cause I thought I was going first. (laughs) I was introducing my article, but you, you can, you can, you can slip in there. Okay. Well. 
you know, foreshadowing Paul's is going to be about ferrets, um, <laughs> which is fine. So to defend myself, the reason I don't like ferrets is every time I would crash at your place, first off, they're always jumping on you to wake you up really early in the morning. There's no distinction between them and rats when you feel them like run past your like foot or something <laughs> while you're asleep. It literally just feels like you're being swarmed by rats in your sleep. Um, they're they're incredibly like when they're hopping around the room, they're always bothering you. It's not like they're not coming up to bother you. It's like I don't know, man. Such fucking stupid animals. I always think they're much more independent. Like a lot of their playtime has nothing to do with you. Like they're just, especially like the, it's one of those things where like Sweden has that rule that you can't have just one hamster or gerbil. You have to have a companion for it. Mm-hmm. Ferrets are like that where it's way easier to take care of two ferrets than one ferret. Cause two ferrets will just play together all day and kind of not bother you. My favorite thing is um, if you beat them uh, up in the morning. So if you're up before they are, when they first wake up, they stretch out and they're kind of in ferrets have this thing where they'll be paralyzed for a while when they first wake up. Uh, also when they're sleeping they're like there's like a common thing where pet owners of ferrets think that their ferrets dead because it's just like asleep in such a deep sleep that it doesn't feel like you can wake them up and they call veterinarians about that situation all the time but uh, my favorite thing to do is i would wake up klaus he would be stretching in the morning he couldn't really move so i would just take him and throw him on my neck as like a little scarf and i just loved like walking around the house with him and he's such a cute little dude i loved him so much <laughs> but like i'm not gonna change nope, when stupid, i come long home. rat stupid i'm not gonna, <laughs> i'm not gonna change when i come home during the day because of a ferret i'm not gonna like have to take my ferret with me to a party because he can't be alone for enough time i'm not gonna like take my ferret to a brewery as if it's like my fur baby or refer to it as a fur baby because i wasn't that kind of pet owner i really loved my animal i took very good care of it but i wasn't a freak about it like all you other fucking people <laughs> and that's the point i want to hit home before we get into the pet care stuff and maybe that's good that i have that one little bit of it that humanizes us <laughs> as not <laughs> told robots because i remember one of the points that i made to my friend was like when i interact with other people's pets i'm always trying to be as cordial and like as nice to them as possible because if you seem even like slightly cold to a dog people think you're a fucking psychopath and it's like so stupid it's like you can't just not like dogs and be like a normal person yeah yeah no i totally get that because i don't like dogs and people will make it very clear that they think you're fucked up yeah have an issue when you don't like dogs i do like dogs i like hanging out with dogs i just don't have any interest in owning one and being best friends with one so for me i think it's like children like across the board my opinion is i don't like children but i've met children where like while doing volunteer work and stuff like that where i'm like oh that's a pretty cool child like i would talk to them for a little bit but like my basic opinion is like every time I go to a brewery or like any experience that I have, every time I go to a party or whatever, my experience has never been better because there was a dog or a child there. <laughs> I've always kind of tolerated it or it's made it like it's been OK. N- nothing in my life has ever been improved by having a pet in, in that scenario or a dog specifically. Um, but yeah, they're loud. They're obnoxious. I really don't like them. They're they're neurotic as fuck because we fucked them up so hard <laughs> with how we've selected them. But yeah, is that enough of a rant? Is that enough? Is that for all you people who critique that Paul and I don't have strong enough opinions about things? Is that enough for you? <laughs> all right. So, Paul, I really am looking forward to you roasting me about ferrets. But really quick, I wanted to do so this is unprecedented, but I'm actually going to bring in two articles today. Uh, but because I really wanted to include the gamut of perspectives on, um, you know, pet advice. So I would like to introduce to you, Paul, Dear Mishu. Oh, I actually saw this. I was going to bring it in. It's the dog that gives advice. <laughs> yeah, the dog is the one that gives <laughs> advice. So this is awesome. Uh, this is really this is really dope. Um, 
So if you want to read the bio, this is a really weird thing where I don't really understand. So Pet Radio Magazine is the outlet I'm reading from. They had two articles introducing the uh, introduction of Dear Mishu four years ago as part of their website. And then Dear Mishu didn't answer any questions on their website. So I had to go back to her original website to find an actual question. But this is her biography, and I think oh, it's really important. I would First off, that does happen a lot with advice columns where people will announce them then never actually write them. Mm. That happens way more frequently than you'd think. Also, for those of you with an Instagram, I think Mishu answers a lot of questions on Instagram as well. Yeah, um, that's where they've moved to in their modern incarnation. They used to answer on this blog that Adrian will read from. Well, they didn't answer anything on this blog. They just announced it and then never did anything. But OK, so I'm going to read two. Uh, so there's an, an about from Mishu's perspective and from the uh, publication's perspective. And I just really love the parallels that I really like resonate with me with Mishu about Mishu. Mishu was born in Guatemala and rescued from the street as a puppy by Unidos para los Animales. Uh, so like me. Guatemalan. <laughs> Rescued from the streets of Guatemala like little baby Adrian. From there, she won the jackpot and was brought to the United States. <laughs> Jesus. I didn't know Mishu was an imperialist dog. <laughs> so this is why I brought both uh, uh, biographies, because in her own biography, she does not mention it being the jackpot that she got to go to the big old USA, <laughs> to the Big Apple. Uh, no, so this is just their third person I'm account. Just a little, I'm just a little country dog. <laughs> Trying to make it in the big city of <laughs> Oakland. Um, she won the jackpot and was brought to the United States, where she was adopted by Gordon Ware by the Gordon Ware Company. Mishu began her career as a model and product consultant for Gordon Ware's dog-related products, but in 2016 branched out on her own as an advice columnist. Uh, Mishu lives in the comfort of the hills of beautiful North Carolina, so she's a California to North Carolina transplant, which also mirrors my family's journey weirdly, um, except to South Carolina from uh, SoCal. Uh, and even with all her fanfare, she has remained a classy lady, calm, cool, and collected, resisting the urge to become a doggy diva or a hot dog. Bull balm and collective. <laughs> Let's bracket, baby. That's how she always starts her <laughs> advice. Uh, check out Dear Mishi's official debut in a week. Yada, 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 yada. Okay, so this is her own perspective um, in her bio. Hi, this is Mishu. Some people wonder why I, a dog, became an advice columnist and why they should listen to me. It's simple. I'm a survivor, and that makes me appreciate life and keep my focus on what really matters. My background is similar to a lot of rescue dogs. In my case, I was born on the streets of Guatemala, a street dog and daughter of the street dogs. When why I was... are they writing it like this is a <laughs> Disney movie script? <laughs> I think it's funny. So actually, I think uh, it was Phil who had a stand-up joke that I really liked. It was about how when you go to like PetSmart and they have the bios written on the like little laminated pieces of paper from the dog's perspective <laughs> um actually i can't think of what the punchline to the joke was maybe i'll have to text him so i can like edit it in later but it was a it, it was a joke that made me laugh a lot um okay so a street dog and daughter uh, of street dogs when i was a puppy i got separated from my mother and was wandering around alone hungry and afraid when a local rescue group found me took me in and took care of me after they nursed me back to health, vaccinated and spayed me, a rescue group in Oakland, California, paid to fly me to the United States, where they thought I'd have a better chance at adoption. Uh, and then there's like a little backstory about her not being the cutest dog, but she charmed over her way into being uh, adopted by a fun family. So that's who uh, Dear Mishu is. If you look at her actual advice, uh, it's all like one sentence questions and replies. So this is advice from a dog about electoral politics. Dear Mishu, should I vote in the U.S. presidential election on Tuesday? From Tamara or Tamara. Two things so about 2016. this. 2016. Yeah, two things about this. Uh, one, um, so the election's coming up in November. I figured it was kind of timely to bring in an election question. Two, I love that it's from 
Tamara slash Tamara because I've gotten into an argument with someone before. Paul, how do you pronounce it? I don't think I've ever been in the situation. It's not like uh, it's not like uh, it's not like pecan pie where sometimes I want to eat a delicious pie. I've never met a delicious Tamara where I've hey, I've met some delicious Tamara. Uh, so wait, <laughs> did you watch uh, Sister Sister growing up? Um, no, but I have not growing up. But I did watch a few episodes with an ex where she made me watch it. So and I how do, did they pronounce their names? Uh, Tamara is how that's pronounced in that show. Tia and Tamara, dog. Tia and... Oh, Tam- yeah. Yeah. I so guess I got, I'm, uh, I got into this yeah. argument with a lab mate, and the reason that it was so important to me was there was a one time when I was uh, working at Trader Joe's, and for my friend's birthday, he wanted to go... I asked him, like, look, for our lunch break, we have it together. Pick up whatever restaurant you want to go to, and I'll buy you lunch. So he picked Panda Express for whatever reason. I don't think it's a particularly good um, fast food chain. But we went there, and it's one of those restaurants where it prints the name on the uh, bottom of the receipt. And so we got our meals, I got the receipt, and it lets me know that our server slash cashier at the drive-thru window was named Tamara Marinera. <laughs> and I think Tamara Marinera is not a funny name, but Tamara Marinera. <laughs> I just kept <laughs> riffing about how it sounds like a teen detective. <laughs> and it's just like every time there's like a murder in a small town, they're like, you know who we need to call? Tamara Marinera. <laughs> Uh, um yeah no a small little town of italian expats (laughs) (laughs) and she solves spaghetti based crimes (laughs) please tamara someone took my buffalo mozzarella that was sitting out on my countertop this sounds like a job for tamara Tamara (laughs) and all of that actually this is a killer children's book can i can can i do the illustrations and you'll write it absolutely dude let's make tamara marinara all of that goes out the window as soon as you start pronouncing it tamara and so that's why i refuse to call this person tamara in my mind it'll always be tamara marinara tamara marinara Okay, let's get into the question. Oh, Paul, did you have anything to say about the uh, question before we get into it? This is kind of meant to just be like a mini uh, aperitif. Uh, no, I, I, from Ask if you will. something I did notice, and I didn't read this question exactly, is it seems like the ethos of that column is like, if you look at life through dog's perspective, they always give simple, easy answers to like hard questions. So no matter how difficult the question is, the dog's always like, what if you just were like chill about it, yo? Like it's always like short and like <laughs> just like you know, don't worry about it so much. It's like a very much a surfer dude's advice, and I think that's uh, generally the ethos. This one's a little bit weird because I don't. I could see the person having a like rather than being like, if they were true to the ethos of the column, they'd probably write something like, "It doesn't matter. Just make sure you vote with your heart." But I could see the person writing that. Oh, well, the question not is not be- who should I vote for. It's it, it's. Yeah. Should I vote? Yeah, I could see the person writing this being a little bit more maybe political and be like, yes, you need to vote Donald Trump out or something. Yeah, I think the uh, the dog answer would be, yeah, you should definitely vote unless you get distracted by your tail, in which case day well spent. But I could see the writer being a little bit more politically slanted and letting it seep in. Uh, Mishu's answer is, do you let other people decide things for you? If you don't, then you should probably vote. So there you go, kids. Vote blue no matter who. All right, anything else to say about that, Paul? That was just, no. that was just a little moose-bouche. All oh. right. Okay, so Adrian, this week I actually have an article for you. And as we've already introduced with a little pre-setup, I have an article about a pet that you've previously owned, and it's um about ferrets. So this one 
This one is interesting for a few different reasons. Not only does it relate to you so closely, it's one of the older columns we've done, actually the oldest in a released episode. This is from 1986, December 1st, posted in the Kentucky New Era magazine. It's um, it's Ann Landers, and uh, she's obviously one of the uh, biggest, most famous advice columnists here, Ann Landers, you know, often credited with being one of like the pioneers of the like modern advice column as a genre. And one of the interesting things to me about this advice column is how it kind of shows that pet owners have always been as annoying as they are nowadays, incredibly defensive, way too into their pets, and honestly kind of aggressive if you even put a little bit of pushback against how annoying and hard it is to own pets. The context of this one is kind of hard to find, but apparently in a previous advice column, Ann Landers had gotten a question about a woman whose son wanted a dog or wanted a ferret and she basically advised no don't get him a ferret you should just get him a cat and she got in a swamp of uh responses from people basically who were upset with her so this is kind of her coalescing together five or six different letters uh from people attacking her for not liking ferrets which like i already said is so interesting to me that this is from 1986 and the insane pet owner who's incredibly defensive uh, is already a concept and people are willing to write into Ann Landers to tell her how disappointed they are. Also, I'm surprised there's so many ferret owners in America in 1986, but I guess the hippie movement had already existed for two decades. That is interesting. I will say really quick, um, ferrets are outlawed in California right now. So I just want to really quick hashtag free the ferret. Um, <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Okay. So the first letter comes in, Dear Ann Landers, hire all the extra help you can get. You're going to need it when the ferret owners land on you. There are now several hundred thousand of them in this country. I was opposed to our son getting a ferret. That's, it seems so close to the idea of like the common Reddit joke of like, there are dozens of us. <laughs> dozens! <laughs> <laughs> I was opposed to our son getting a ferret because I'm not familiar with them. I relented him now and am now convinced you couldn't ask for a cuter, more lovable, or more affectionate pet. The only drawback is that they must be descended surgically. They smell as bad as skunks if they aren't, quotes, fixed. Santa Fe, New Mexico. So Adrian, were your ferrets descented? I don't remember them smelling super bad particularly. Is that like one of those things like declawing that's immoral now or? No, they were descented. They, they always come descented. And so for me, it's one of those things that's interesting because they still smelled quite a bit. And I think that's one of those things where like when I gave advice to future people who wanted to have ferrets, I was like, yeah, people will tell you they don't stink. They do like you'll go nose blind to it, but other people will notice. And that's, you know, accept that or don't. <laughs> but they, yeah, people who tell you like, oh, no, ferrets are perfectly fine smelling. Nope, they're they're stinky little creatures. OK, so now that we've introduced the concept of Ann Landers being swamped by people who are upset. Um, oh, well, I'll go ahead and read her response to the first one. She said, you weren't just whistling, Dixie. I was swamped with mail. Here's another of the 6000 letters I received from devoted ferret fans. And then from here, we can read through some of the. Uh, different letters people send her about ferrets. Oh yeah, this is an onslaught. There's so many here. <laughs> Dear Ann Landers, I couldn't believe it when I read your advice to the parents of the 11-year-old boy who wanted a ferret to replace his deceased cat. You said, ferrets have been known to attack children and inflict serious injuries, according to the Veterinarian Medical Association. Get another cat. Those vets must be thinking about the almost extinct black-footed ferret, not the domesticated filch ferret, sold at the pet store in the United States and abroad. 
We recently had to put our darling ferret Bandit to sleep. He had kidney failure and was beyond help. Bandit was the darling of the household for almost five years. He kissed us when he came home and was extremely playful. Unlike cats who are arrogant and moody. <laughs> we know from ex- Wait, Paul, do you mean that he kissed us when we came home or he kissed us when he came home from a day of work <laughs> of doing ferret jobs? Yeah, and he wore a little <laughs> top hat. <laughs> he set it down as he like he just give a big he gave a big sigh, but he would always uh, make sure to kiss us on his way in. <laughs> Uh, he would always ferret away a little money for the uh, hard times. <laughs> <laughs> we know from experience that ferrets make wonderful pets. You goofed, Anne, from Chuck, Chuck Ann in Pennsylvania. So we always like to... Do you think she done goofed? I mean, this one's a little bit harder to give our own advice. <laughs> Since it's really more like they're attacking Ann Landers, but... Um... I don't think that a cat... Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe she's right. I mean, I got a ferret because it was the closest thing to a cat that I wasn't allergic to. Mm. So I kind of like gained a unique um, interest in ferrets from having one. But it was very much like a sub because I couldn't get a cat. Uh, And like I looked up other pets and like I knew chinchillas were like prey animals where like the most I'll ever do is sit beside you comfortably. But they don't want you touching them because like that's predator shit. Um, so they'll never be comfortable with that. Whereas ferrets are predator animals. So like you can, you know, you can slap them around and they're totally fine with that. Um, <laughs> uh, and so like I did a lot of research into like alternative pets and I was like, yeah, a ferret seems like the closest thing to what I want. Okay. So the next one, dear Anne, we bought a three months old ferret when our children were 10 and 15. He has been neutered, descented, and given rabies and distemper shots. He does not have a cage. It's litter trained, makes no noise, does not climb or claw furniture, and sleeps in our bed. We adore him. The GCs. Um, This one, she gets a little salty on them. She says, glad your ferret's bringing you so much pleasure. Read on. All right. Um, I will read on. Dear Anne, all you need to keep a ferret well and happy is some cat food, a can of flea powder, just in case, a little box with a scoop of shavings, puppy toys, and a soft brush to keep the coat soft and shiny, and a heart full of love. Vermont. That fucking hippie state of Vermont. First to legalize gay marriage, first to legalize ferrets. Um, and she's a little bit, now her answers are getting like foreboding and dark because her thing is, dear V, sounds simple, doesn't it? Well, hang around. I feel like you put a little extra stink on that, but okay. <laughs> what is she going to do it. at the end of this, like prove ferrets are all like poisonous? I don't know. What's, what's this leading to? Well, Adrian, what do you think it's leading to? What is her final point going to be that's going to prove ferrets are bad, that she's kind of like alluding that she's going to finally... Oh, I think she's going to take... She's going to take 6,000 incidences of anecdotal positive experiences and end on one negative experience. Mm. That's what it seems like it's leading to to me. Like, she's going to be like, um, yeah, so we also got a ferret thinking it was going to be great, and then it turned out that it stole all the money I left in my dresser and headed to Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) oh you think it's okay to own a ferret well guess what i bought a ferret and it fucked my wife tore the whole family apart (laughs) now i have to take my kids to spend every other weekend with the ferret and the axe (laughs) (laughs) okay so the next one from shawano wisconsin your column knocking ferrets came out just about the same time the wall street journal did a piece on these furry adorables the Wall Street Journal said that there are now 400,000 ferret owners in the United States, as compared with 14,000 only five years ago. They, they are a big business. Pet stores offer ferrets for $100, but more exotic breeds, especially those with fur in the designer colors, such as blue, chocolate, or sterling silver, cost more. That's the glamorous news. But the Wall Street Journal had more to say, and it scared the hell out of me. 
Miss Kofi, a Carson City detective, said ferrets don't make good pets. Last September, Miss Kofi, in Vistigate... Oh. <laughs> Last September. Sound it out. <laughs> it goes from one line to the other. <laughs> yeah, that happens sometimes. <laughs> Last September, Miss Kofi investigated an attack on 29-year-old infant whose face was mauled and whose nose was bitten off. Oh, that is very sad. I'm sad that I read it in like a dismissive way. This happened in Springfield, Ohio. According to the county health administrator, J. Dean Dodge, when these animals are kept in captivity, they probably get enough food, but they are still wild carnivores. It's natural for them to hunt up live beals. It's their instinct. Well, that's that one. Adrian, I mean, I don't know. Do you have a response to that? Do you think parents shouldn't own ferrets? Do you think this is something that's just as likely to happen with a pet cat or dog? Yeah, I was about to say, if you want to, like, if you have a newborn, maybe don't have one, but also let's take, like, the proportional statistics of injuries caused by dogs Mm -hmm. and, like, compare it to ferrets. Like, I think that's, like I said, so it was interesting because at first I was like, oh, Wall Street Journal article, maybe there's gonna be, like, some, like, really interesting, like, uh, summarization of things about ferret ownership. And nope, it's just one anecdotal story. Uh, So, yeah, it's exactly what I said it was gonna be. So Ann Landers uh, sums this all up by saying, So folks, obviously while most pet ferrets are cuddly and adorable, it's not safe to assume they are all all wonderful pets, and there's no need for concern. I like cats myself. Yeah, I I don't know. That's a very weak argument. (laughs) If we're going to talk about like rhetorical strategies, uh, that's not not excellent from her. But um, yeah, I think there are like more mundane reasons. Well, as a strategy, I think it is excellent. I think in 1986 in the Kentucky New Era, this would work perfectly to scare house moms into not letting their kid get a ferret. But as far as like, yes, if she presented this in a debate to a logic professor, I think he would point out the errors. No, no, I think if she was trying to get to like people in the 80s, she has to do like a news story like uh, it's a new thing kids are doing called ferreting. Uh, <laughs> Satanic ferrets? More at seven. <laughs> Satanic ferrets in your team? Are your children safe? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Adrian. So I think that's all I have to say about Ann Landers and ferrets. I've made my opinion very clear. I think you have a article for us. Yeah, a lot of controversy in this episode. Uh, our differing opinions on ferrets, our untraditional views on dog ownership. A lot of uh, a lot of juice in this one. There's a lot of heat in this episode. Oh yeah, we're gonna get a um, lot of mean comments. Yeah, I'm preparing myself for it. Uh, so this one is so it's the Mercury News, but it's the Chicago Tribune that um, hosts Ask Amy, and then they syndicate it to other papers. This is Ask Amy, also known as Amy Dickinson. I'm really excited to read her work. She's an advice columnist who also does a lot of stuff on um, like Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me for NPR and like a couple of other things. And so I, I didn't really know her before. I've never read any of her columns before today, but I looked into her to get this article. Wait, Wait, um, Don't Tell think... Me, the least funny comedy show ever created. Are you in a nursery home? Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the comedy show for you. But I'm interested to uh, read her takes on this because I think in general she has really good takes. So I, I saw when I was looking up information about her, I read one of her most recent um, advice articles, which is like a really short snippet about, um, uh, hey, um, I don't like it when uh, men of color approach me and try to uh, hit on me. How do I politely tell them that I don't date other men or men outside my race? People should stay within their own race. And Amy just sent her, uh, uh, her answer was just, uh, yeah, well, it's really easy to be polite and just say, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. I'm a racist. <laughs> <laughs> and so the other thing that I, the other thing I know about Amy from looking at her Wikipedia page is that there was a big um, viral response to her letter against homophobic parents asking, uh, how do we 
get our son to not be gay anymore because it's really embarrassing us. And so her like whole tirade against them became a really viral response. And what I really like about it is that when she was asked about it and people were like, oh, you just pretended people sent in that question so you could like virtue signal. She was like, no, if you look through like my responses from many, many years back before Twitter and like George Takei retweeting me was a thing. I've been consistently putting out these answers. And so I'm hoping that she has a really good take on this and that I, I, in general, she seems like a really clever lady. And so I'm, I'm, I'm uh, excited to hear what she has to say. Cool. All right. So that's a big introduction, but here we go. We're going to move back to the topic of dogs so that Paul and I can really <laughs> focus in on our, on our ire. <laughs> All right. So this one's titled, Ask Amy. I'm very put off by my girlfriend's relationship with her dog. She expects me to kiss her after her dog has been licking her mouth. That's the title plus the subtitle. Who wrote this? Kiki's uh, uncle? I don't think he would have an issue with that. <laughs> also, weird the responses that we got to that of no one caring about bestiality. Yeah, and like, I'm really worried about our fan base, man. We apparently have like a real pro <laughs> bestiality so, fan base because people were like, you guys were really weird about be- having such an issue with bestiality. We think that's super cool. What I love is someone calling it light bestiality. Is that like as if like there's like a gradation of bestiality where like we're totally cool with this amount. It's only when it becomes extreme. <laughs> like whenever we do our, um, hey, guys, we're going to put ads in the podcast. But first, we need to send out a survey to see what you guys like. I think there's a lot of extra questions we need to add to that survey to make sure that our audience isn't just a bunch of freaks. Because I think that's what we got, dude. We just have an audience full of sexual deviant. Our audience should not be allowed within 10 miles of an elementary school. (laughs) Our audience shouldn't be allowed within 10 miles of a petting zoo. Oh my god. (laughs) Y'all are terrible. (laughs) Y'all nasty. I don't like that at all. Okay, so dear Amy... Three months ago, I started dating a woman I've been very good friends with for two years. She has a dog she adopted from a shelter ten years ago. I love dogs. We often take Buster. I like how Buster is in quote as if they need to remain, uh, they need to keep the profile of this dog on the low. (laughs) Uh, We take a dog. uh, Let's call him Air Bud. (laughs) He's definitely not a famous dog. We often take Buster for walks. He's cute, let's friendly, say, and well behaved. Let's just say this large red dog is my friend <laughs> Clinton. <laughs> we often take Buster for walks. He is cute, friendly, and well behaved, but he has incredible separation anxiety and barks out of jealousy, not aggression, when I try to hold or kiss my girlfriend. She spends the night at my apartment two or three nights a week, but she has to bring him with because of his separation anxiety. Since her dog cannot physically be apart from her, he is up on the bed with us. This makes me uncomfortable. If he isn't allowed up, he digs at the carpet and barks until he is let up upon the bed, where he wants to lick her face and mine until he settles down. My girlfriend does nothing to discourage this behavior. I love spending time with her, but between being barked at, the dog in bed, and having to listen to him lick her face for three minutes straight, I am very put off. I explained to her that I don't really want to kiss her after her dog has licked her mouth for three minutes, or with him in the bed between us where he growls at me. We love each other, but I'm at a loss of where to go from here. Confounded by a canine. Yeah, so I think the the idea of when you date somebody, you're also dating their pet in a way is a very uh, annoying part of having. So like when I first joined Tinder, my biggest worry was going to be any conversation where like their profile picture is like them and their pet all the way through. And so they, they obviously bring it up and they're like, oh, yeah, do you like dogs? And you have to be like, oh, I love, I love them. They're, they're the best. They're, they're, they're so fun, so controlled, so not in your space and un- aware of boundaries that people yeah. have. Being um, into your pet is kind of like 
being into the office or liking traveling. It's not a personality yeah. trait and stop trying to pitch it to me like it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so for dating, the idea... So I guess he loves dogs. He just thinks this is like a very extreme dog, which is weird to me because like, what dogs has he been encountering that don't do this? This is like typical, like this is stereotypical dog behavior. Um, all of it, including the separation anxiety, which like that's the thing I was talking about before where I was like... Like, Jesus Christ, dude, like, we fucked up these animals so hard. Uh, and it's so crazy how you, you have to include that into your the way you live your life and the limitations around your life. I think my advice would be, like... Lock him out of the room? Oh, break up. Oh. <laughs> I would say leave. I would just say get out. I don't know how long they've been together. Also, I will say, I know it's, like, a common... Uh, so, it's actually kind of an interesting meta-narrative here where, like, unless someone specifically says they're of a different culture, we just assume they're white Americans uh for most of our questions but this is one where like we know that because she's like white people yeah yeah it's a common stand-up joke but like having the dog that like you kiss on the lips like that's that's some white people shit right there absolutely um yeah this is a white woman this is a white woman who hasn't trained her dog very well and i will say if i'm so if we're gonna talk shit about everybody who owns pets the notion of people who have very well trained pets i i really enjoy that If, if you have a pet and it's very well trained kudos to you you're doing what should probably be like the bare minimum to being a good pet owner, but you're doing a good job. So you think he should break up with her, not try to convince her to just like lock, like close her bedroom door at night or get a, or get like a little cage. That sounds like she wouldn't be on board for it. And then also it's too late to change his behavior where he's going to fuck shit up. If that's what you try to do. To really? I, I don't know. much. Also, about I don't think I believe rearing. in keeping a dog okay. in a cage. I don't think I'm I feel that. like a lot of people use the excuse that they like being in a cage like it feels like a home to them and it actually like Yeah, that's what the oppressor always <laughs> says. Okay, Peta. Um I mean, how would you feel if you dated a girl where like every time you were over to her place, her dog was all over you and every time she went over to your place, the dog still had to be around? Oh, I w- I, w- I wouldn't like you. that at all and it's similar to like you owning ferrets anywhere where I have to spend the night around pets, I usually get kind of annoyed. Basically, yeah, wanna... like it'd be a deal breaker, yeah, right? Yeah. You're right. So then, why is it? You're right. Yeah, the breaking up like, is, my advice is, is good advice if he's like the type of person that has a me or you personality where dogs get on his nerves. But I feel like for a lot of people, yeah. it isn't a deal breaker. So I'm trying to think of a way for him to get the dog off his back without being. I mean, I, I, any advice column about a relationship could technically be solved by <laughs> breaking up and never. Yeah, I'm doing back. the I'm doing the ask Reddit thing right yeah. now. You um, can always solve a problem by breaking up and not looking back, but presumably he wants to salvage the relationship. So if you want to have a fun tidbit from an earlier uh, article that I was reading for this episode, apparently there's like certain oils you can buy, like certain like citrusy oils that dogs are averse to. So that might be a piece of advice is like buy yourself some like lemon oil or like orange oil and just like spritz that all over you so the dog leaves you alone. Dogs are very olfactory like focused animals. So if you want to be left alone by the dog, I guess part of it is also how much the dog is protective over his girlfriend. But if you want to get over the base issue of this dog is like, getting getting past what my boundaries with this dog are uh that might be something i would say at least before you break up with her you could at least vaguely try some sort of variation of like doing eating or rubbing something on you that it's like an irritant something that you're allergic to and trying to convince her you're allergic to the dog so then she has so then it's like an ultimatum but she doesn't know you're presenting her with this incredibly manipulative and gaslighting ultimatum 
<laughs> yeah, that's it's good advice from Paul. Uh, it's actually really interesting where because I'm like semi allergic to dogs and it's kind of like 50 50 whether or not I have a bad reaction. I think there are people who have met in life who think that I'm lying about being allergic to dogs uh, and that like I use it as like my anti dog uh, thing. But like, um, yeah, yeah, I guess you could try and you could do you could just lie about it and just pretend that you have a, an allergy. Yeah, and uh, it would be good way to filter out to bring how much it up she that likes late. you. Oh yeah, that is true. And, you know, so either that some late in life just newly developed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You could also take the time to train the dog. Like you have to find a weekend where she's not around. Like maybe she asks you to sit the dog when she goes on a work trip or goes to visit her family. If you get that sort of opportunity, maybe you can grab a news, a rolled up newspaper or a little spray bottle of water and try to train the dog real quick while she's not around to not get on the bed. Mm, give him some boops. Yep, give him some boops. Yeah, I feel like when he described his behavior as being incredibly neurotic when he can't get on the bed, I don't know if that's gonna. You think that's not gonna be helpful? That, I don't know how much he's gonna capitulate <laughs> to these to these rules. Oh. Um, yeah. To me, it just sounds like she got a dog. She didn't train it well. He's kind of messed up. He's a broken dog, as I've said about many dogs that I've met in my life. This dog's broken. I don't know how much she can fix it if she doesn't want to put in the time and effort to fix him. Also, I don't think she sees him as broken. She thinks this is perfectly fine. <laughs> Which is insane. There's also always with dogs, you can always wait it out till they die. Dogs don't live that long. That's your relationship strategy? <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. had the dog so let's for let's make it clear. Let's... She's had the dog for 10 years. Yeah. Let's make it clear. Our advice here is not to do anything mean or violent to the dog. That's what we're going for here. Like, we're not, certainly don't do anything mean to a dog. Did don't I, do, I, like, they're animals. Not, they should be no, treated well. No, obviously not. Did that sound like I no, no, no. should hurt the dog? No, I'm, no, no. I'm trying to clarify what you're saying and what I'm saying. Like, throughout all of this, yeah. our advice is never all, to be mean to animals or to treat, treat them unkindly. Always treat animals with respect. Treat, treat all living things with respect. I yeah. think that when a dog that I don't, yeah. But, yeah. If I'm out in public and a dog runs up and, like, jumps on me, my reaction is not to like slap it my reaction is to be like i don't know you like that and try and walk away <laughs> like it's um, yeah like the, all of this is very benign but yeah. like yeah. a 10 year old um, dog i think you can wait it out and then just suggest you get a more suggest you get a puppy that you can pay for the training for for the next dog yeah if he likes dogs then yeah just find a dog that's uh, of your temperament temperament that you enjoy yeah it's one of those weird things where he doesn't say that well i guess he says that we love each other so there is some indication that they're like pretty uh far in this relationship so yeah I think that's fine. It is super weird that he's... He should have just said, I think it's kind of unhygienic and gross. I don't even... Why did the question asker explain it as he, the dog is kissing my girlfriend? He really did, like... He presented it in the terms of infidelity instead of the terms of, like, unhygiene, unhygienic or not clean. That's obviously not the issue. It's the hygienic issue. But I think it's... If you combine that with the dog being mad whenever he shows her affection, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like, I feel like that's something I've heard of before, but that seems kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like you have to know at that point your dog's, like, holding back your love life if he's that concerned about your relationship with other yeah, people. Yeah, it's the real Wilford uh, conundrum. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what's going on. The dog's probably just an Australian man in a suit. <laughs> As all dogs really are. It's hard to find more intricate solutions to this. I mean, it's always something to keep in mind. Maybe she's into dogs, so start presenting more canine-like qualities, uh, playfulness. Ooh. Uh, Have you seen that girl on TikTok that used to make, like, six figures a month pretending to be a dog? Oh, she used to? Why not anymore? She quit. Oh, uh, dang. Why? I don't know. That seems like such a good gig. I, like, literally all I know about her is from what I read in the one Reddit thread. If anybody wants to hire me for six figures a month to pretend to be a dog, I'm up for it. I don't actually know if I would. Because my knees are very sensitive. I don't like being on my knees. 
If I was allowed to wear knee pads while I did it, I think I would do it. <laughs> that might not be enough money to have because you'd have to have sex with the person. That might not be enough. Oh, is money. that part of it? I would assume so, right? Is it not a sexual thing? That, is it prostitution or is I thought, I thought, it, thought was it was prostitution. just like I thought that was implied as part of the deal. No, no, no. I thought they were together as a couple and they collectively made this content that got paid for hundreds of thousands oh. of dollars. Oh, oh, then yeah, I would definitely I don't think do that it. this guy was yeah. I thought the guy I don't know. Was I, I actually don't think you would. I feel like it's one of those things where like put your money where your mouth is, Paul. I don't actually think you would. If any of the absolutely wealthy freaks who watches this show wants to make me put my money where my mouth yeah, is. Yeah, so we know for sure in the Venn diagram <laughs> that all of our audience is freaks. We just don't know how many of you are millionaires. <laughs> but if any of y'all freaks out there listening want to give us a million dollars for this. Uh, We're yeah. down for it. Okay, I don't know how much of this up. conversation we could use. So oh, I think on. we should use all of it. I think this is way better than us actually addressing the question so far. <laughs> okay, so I'm mean, very I'm very excited to, to see what kind of insight Amy has for us today. Uh, hopefully I'm not building her up too much and she doesn't disappoint us. Um, Paul, was your advice columnist also a woman? Yeah. That's just a thing, and right? Landers. That like most advice columnists are women, right? Yeah, it seems like the classic ones were because even back then they were agony aunts, right? Back in the day. So mm-hmm. it was like very common. I think it's because a lot of the times they answered like manners or uh, social etiquette questions in like the, the very first iterations. And now it's become more broadened what sort of questions they'll ask. So it's it's wider who does it. But yeah, in the early days, it was like very household questions. So the stereotypical 1950s 60s housekeeper would be the one answering the question so that's why you had like that and so i'll say it's 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 those three things right it's um women getting custody of children it's uh (laughs) men not being discriminated as teachers and nurses and child care workers and being advice columnists so for all you feminists out there talking about how the world isn't equal why aren't you fighting equally hard to make men advice columnists that's all i'm saying yeah welcome to red pill cast the only <laughs> <laughs> the only podcast where paul and adrian tell it how like how it is about the feminist scourge hitting this country these feminazis <laughs> um jesus christ could you imagine okay <laughs> dude we're so close if we just played it up for like 10 minutes longer we could make such good money on youtube we could just do the fucking dave rubin bullshit oh my god it'd be such an easy we've already life. talked about how easy it is to be a right all these people with moral qualms about pretending to be a dog to make six figures dave rubin is doing something way more humiliating to make six figures <laughs> that's actually very true candace owens like all of those people yeah are doing they are degrading themselves what they're doing is more degrading than the lady pretending to be a dog and they're doing it for the same reason to make a little bit of cash dude that's actually a great point and i actually want to keep everything we've talked about until now up to that so just so you can make that great point because that's <laughs> That is, that, that might be our first time using like a little uh, sound bit thing, because damn. <laughs> Big fact. That's insightful as hell, Paul. <laughs> Thanks, Adrian. Thanks, Adrian. Congrats on your poopies. So, congratulations, <laughs> and you're doing a great job with your poopies. Congratulations. Did you know who that is? That was uh, Michael Lewandowski saying that. I don't know who that is. It's like Trump's advisor or something. Oh, really? Yeah. It's That's his campaign advisor. Oh, that makes sense. So the first Lewandowski I always think of is a soccer player, but I remember that being like a thing where I was like, oh, that guy is the same name as that soccer player, that dude in Trump's administration. Uh, somebody paid him. He does like one of those things where you can pay him to say something on like uh, an app or whatever. You know how some celebrities do that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> somebody asked him to help him potty train his son. Congratulations on your poopy. 
So congratulations, and you're doing a great job with your poopies. Congratulations. So here is Ask Amy's advice. Dear Confounded, Buster has been with your girlfriend for much longer than you have. In human years, they would be celebrating their platinum anniversary. Because dogs are pack animals, they are hardwired to never be alone. They are either with you or they are waiting for you to return. The way to train them to wait calmly is not to greet the excited, jumping, licking behavior with human excitement, but to anticipate the behavior and create a new routine where the dog feels relaxed and secure. Buster needs to understand and respect that you are now part of the pack and that he doesn't need to protect his human from you. It would be wise for the three of you to visit a qualified animal behaviorist who can observe and work with all of you together. Counter conditioning might work over time. This is where you basically retrain your dog to associate the challenging situation, you being in the bed, with a good outcome. He gets a treat once he's laying down calmly on the dog bed. Do not punish him or force him into the crate when he is distressed. This will only compound the behavior. The humans involved need to exhibit controlled, cool, calm, and firm but kind leadership. This is why observing how a human interacts with a dog reveals so much about the human. Dang, that last part really got us. <laughs> yeah, so you you did build her up a little bit more because, like, who is this Caesar Milan? Like, it's her her yeah. answer was just very technical, and it feels like maybe she actually even knows about dog rearing. But uh, probably not the best question to show off her skills as, like... Uh, probably a more social question. As an intellect or wit, yeah. but it, it was a totally accurate to the question answer and i'm pretty sure she it, it sounds right to me as somebody who doesn't know much about dogs yeah i guess just train them to be better i mean to me the, i kind of went in with the assumption that like she didn't want to train her dog to be better but maybe i was reading too much into her psyche maybe i was doing a dear polly yeah. uh there so I'll, I'll go ahead and say uh you did build her up so uh people do go read ann landers or not ann landers i apologize read ask amy apparently uh adrian gives her the seal of approval as good yeah, uh, yeah, quite uh, very intelligent, uh, very, I guess, I don't really know about her writing style, but in terms of her opinion, she's got good takes. All right, yeah, so I don't think I have much to say about that. I think that's probably the more correct answer and what, like, our fans are going to have, like, or listeners. I don't know, I, maybe it's presumptuous to call them fans. Um, for people who listen, I think they're probably going to, like, hear what we said and be like, well, that was dumb, and then hear what Amy said and be like, okay, that's reasonable. <laughs> so it's going to be a good foil to what our opinions about pets are, because I have no real understanding of like what kind of training goes into like making a dog a good dog i do want to edit one sentence when she says the humans evolved need to exhibit controlled cool calm and firm but kind leadership i think think if i was her editor i would switch it to the humans involved need to exhibit controlled bull balm and firm but kind leadership but because i'm bull and black Does this mean we're 100% keeping my what's bracken intro? <laughs> Paul's yeah. really, or Phil, Phil's going to really love that because that's how we greet each other on FaceTime. All right, Paul, you ready for a topical tip? Yeah, I am. What do you got for me this week? So this is the second time that I'm bringing in something kind of personal. So I'm going to say that the scoreboard right now is two to zero in terms of Paul bringing in personal topical tips. My longtime friend, um, best bro, the homie, the dude. My boy, Philip Carter. So if you want background on our relationship, uh, we were friends in high school for a little bit, really met back up in college and started doing stand up together. We were writing partners for a long time. And then we eventually 
worked at the same restaurant because he got me a job there because it was really hard for me to get my first job as a minority in the South. And so it was basically like him like shoehorning me into the job that got me uh, my first like just fast food hibachi job. And it was a really slow place. So whenever we weren't actually working, we would I would play beats on my phone and we would freestyle rap at each other and like freestyle rap battle. That led to an interest in me not actually in rapping, but in producing beats. And so eventually I started producing beats in college. He rapped. And so we formed a, a rap group. So for a long time now, we've been partners in making music. Um, Philip, because he, because um, <laughs> he's the kind of person that he is, he decided to make a rap name that like was a pun off of his name. So he went by Philibuster, both as a battle rapper and as a rapper in music that we made together. And so very recently, he sent me a text saying, I got to change my name. I did not realize that the filibuster is mostly used by racist white people to stop progress on civil rights, um, which was interesting to me because I was like, did you not know what a filibuster was? And he told me, and I guess, so I, I, I guess I should say this in the most polite way possible. Phil is not the most academically gifted person um, that I know. <laughs> that was not so the like, most polite way you could have possibly said that. I think you could have <laughs> found a way nicer. Phil's a very, Phil's a very intelligent person <laughs> in many creative ways, but like schoolwork has never been his like best um, area of expertise. So he was like, no, I thought a filibuster was just like the general idea of when someone talked for a long time to like not let a bill pass. But like, I didn't know that like it was a tool very effectively used by white supremacists. And after reading, uh, re- reading up on the subject, which Phil's always been a pretty good ally in that sense. Um, I have decided that like filibuster is not a name that I'm comfortable having anymore. And so I want to change it. So he's very recently and like in probably will be announced by the time that this episode comes out, changed his name to Phil Carter, uh, which is just his regular name. He's doing that thing, which I think is oftentimes a, a perfectly fine way to come up with a rap name. Uh, and so that's the topical tip is Phil's decided, um, I don't like the name that I'm using. I think it's problematic. I'm going to change it. And I want to make sure I don't change it in the same way that like that Lady Antebellum changed their name to Lady A. And even after doing that, they realized that they were stealing the name of a person of color uh, who was another artist and then sued that artist for their name. <laughs> so they like did the most problematic way of changing their name to a least problematic to a less problematic name. So anyways, yeah, that's the topical tip. Phil is changing his rap name. I don't I don't know if I have advice because I think, you know, him changing his rap name is his prerogative. It seems like a fine thing to do. But I think it might be a little bit of a missed opportunity. And the missed opportunity is to screen cap all the things of Obama and Bernie Sanders and various other high uh, high importance politicians saying we need to get rid of the filibuster and doing that Eminem thing where it's like he's too dangerous for like normal culture and be like they're trying to get rid of me but I, I'm back again. It's filibuster. Too dangerous for this like safe culture. I mean... It was made with no ill intent, and I don't think there's anything really being done by him having that name. There's, like, a very easy connection one-to-one of, like, the concept of speaking for a long time and the concept of being a rapper who raps very continuously. Uh, But he feels strongly about it. So, yeah, like, my advice would not be don't change it, especially because I think Filibuster's a stupid rap name. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, that's probably the main reason I would say continue changing it i think phil carter's like actually kind of an awesome first and last name for even like a stage name it just sounds right for rap yeah yeah yeah. uh so a big thing in battle rap is name flips so really all you want in a name as a battle rapper is something that's hard to like flip into like a, a bar and phil and carter are a little bit too easy for that but um yeah that's why he should change know. his rap name to 
the name of Elon Musk's son. He should son. change his rap name to I'm a stupid baby who sucks at rap battles. So then they have to say that <laughs> when they try to diss him. Well, I think one of the good things about it is that Phil doesn't want to do battle rap okay. anymore. He just wants to do actual music. So I think him going by Phil Carter is That's why he fine. should change his rap um, name to I forfeit this rap battle and this white kid in front of me wins. <laughs> um, But the other thing I'll say about Phil is that so he... Uh, him... So Phil Filibuster... And then MC Peacup, who's our friend Patrick, formed together along with me as their producer to make the comedy rap group The Buster Cups. And so Phil was like, I don't know how to change that name because if I change my rap name, then that whole name needs to change. And I was like, that's so tangential. If your name was a flip on Filibuster and then you combined it with another person's name to make a like a amalgamated name, there's nothing problematic about that name. Like no one's going to trace the origin of that back to uh the article that you're talking about like that's perfectly fine just keep it the same it's a stupid name you should change it but don't change it because you think it needs to like fit this um rule that you and your uh, other mc's name need to uh form together to make a, a coherent name mm. yeah i think right now there's a lot of people who are like coming to terms with racism in america and i think there's some over eagerness to i'll say this shout out to rich chiga who uh decided preemptively before this reminds me of when i posted a picture on facebook of me reading claudia rankin's citizen back in like april and i was like i just want to say i was reading that before it was on every person's how to be woke uh yeah, shout list. out like, to adrian getting me to read um to read uh wretched of the earth like five or six years ago uh you, you yeah. let me borrow that book and told me to read it and it's a it's a freaking great read but what I will say is for a lot of people who haven't thought about this stuff as much as me and you and discussed it ad nauseum for years and years, people are a little bit over eager to be allies. Um, shout out to all the friends in my book club where we only started reading books about black issues after like forming as a regular <laughs> book club. We pivoted yeah. real hard to just reading like progressive books. It, I mean, I joke because it is like generally, genuinely like a good thing that people care now, but there is a little bit of over-eagerness, and not everything needs to be an opportunity to you. You don't have to question yourself to that level. I, uh, I think the best way to be an ally is just to be a thoughtful and empathetic person and actually try to try to be ahead of the next trend, you know? Be, be the person who doesn't argue against, like, oh, why would we take down the Confederate flag for 10 years and then once, like, you know, in 2020 with the protests, you finally realize it realize that your opinions aren't perfect and try to be ahead of the next trend don't just go okay like i'm gonna be super entrenched in 2020 thought so i'm only gonna worry about what's popular now in the uh pop culture ideals of progressivism try to try to use the axioms of empathy and of thoughtfulness as a base and then there's actually a lot more that i want to say about this like one off top I'll say that I like that Phil contacted me about this. Like he wanted to know what my opinion of him going by that name was. And I think that's an important part about it is that depending on what your environment is, you might not get backlash on what your name is, whether or not it's problematic. I think it's still important to like take into account backlash. Like maybe it's not really that important if no one's actually offended by his name for him to, if there, if the impact and the consequence of that name is so like subtle that like, no one has ever actually said, Phil, I think your name has some issues with it. I don't actually think he needs to change it. You know what I mean? And so I like the I like that he's thinking about it, though. And I like that he reached out to me. And the important thing here is that because Paul and I are people of color, it doesn't mean we have all the right answers and that there's not also work for us to do. No, um, we have all the right answers because we're genuinely more intelligent. 
with people. Yeah. So like just going to your closest person of color friend and asking them what you should do is not always the right move and not always going to give you the right answer. Um, but it's, it's, it's a good place to start if you have, if you're in a comfortable enough place with that person, this goes back to our like very quick conversation from the last episode about bothering people of color with your like white nonsense. You know, if you're comfortable, like Phil and I are very comfortable where like, I would absolutely take the time to talk to him about these issues if he wants to talk about it. And, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that my opinion is the correct one for him to have, but it's good that people are thinking about this. I think that's maybe the, maybe that is like the, the central thesis of this whole topical tip is like, it's good to be thinking about these things try and think harder than just what the current uh topic is mm-hmm. and 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 yeah tr- like i don't know maybe trying to predict what's going to go on next is hard and trying well, it's to not about predicting ass- what's going on next it's about being so empathetic that you already have the opinion because you've built your mindset right. you've already gotten to the right destination Absolutely. And I think also an interesting part of this is that it revolves around maturity too, right? Like the whole Rich Chiga example is someone who's 15 from Indonesia who didn't know American culture who decided on his name. And I think that is rightfully why he didn't get a whole lot of flack for changing his name after realizing his opinions were wrong. He got like a very, for all the people who are like outraged about uh, cancel culture and like no one can learn and grow anymore. Mm. Depending on the context, yes, you absolutely can. Like, All yeah. that being said, me and Adrian are on constant high alert for when the cancels, cancelers come for us. We're waiting for it. We're at the gates, we baby. Are... Come get us. When all the pet cancelers come after us. Yeah, the pet cancelers, honestly, I've, there's more vitriol online for people who call pit bulls violent than there is for openly racist people. There, <laughs> we, we, t- we talk about how there's rhetoric in our society, but there's definitely more people online defending pit bulls than there are people online uh, fighting against racism. And you know what's really funny about it is that it's the exact, it, it's, it's a similar biological argument where people will be like, not all Rottweilers are... Uh, necessarily violent it's about the environment in which they grow up in and then they'll turn around and be like but what about the violence in chicago what about the black on black violence (laughs) dude like yeah that's so you know what actually right now we should do is we should play that open mic eagle uh bar about how um what's the one from a dark late night comedy show about how um uh until america admits it likes dogs more than us or whatever Yeah, so do you want to give a topical tip to Phil or to anybody else that we've talked about in this uh, long-winded segment? Well, I already gave him the tip, which is, it is a little bit of a missed opportunity to not do the whole, like, Eminem, you know, they're too offended by me, they're coming for me, look, Obama's even tweeting, we need to get rid of the filibuster, I'm the filibuster. He could do that. Um, I would also give the uh, tip to, uh, yeah, and then the tip to people, it, it... it's good to care about these issues. Some of you are being a little overly eager with with some of the like small things like uh, with the Trader Joe's changing the name of their Trader Jose food line. It seems a little bit overly eager. Like, I don't know if that's super offensive, but absolutely. Let's get rid of every, uh, let's get rid of every white nationalist statue. Let's here, get here. rid of every Confederate flag and let's get rid of all the hate monuments yeah and uh, i think my topical tip is there are a lot of symbolic battles to be won uh i think i may have said in a segment that gets cut that like we can we can walk and chew bubblegum at the same time so i don't want to be super dismissive of things where it doesn't seem like it's the most important thing to do right now yeah that is another paradigm A a lot of these are symbolic victories all of this is beside the point of let's actually get progressives elected 
way more important. So that's exactly than it, right? This. I mean, these things are important and we should care about them, but way less important than getting good progressives elected. Absolutely. So that's basically my topical tip is um okay, cool. Uh, the BBC is pooling episodes that contain blackface, which no one asked for, <laughs> was something that they just decided to do. And that's kind of the crux of the issue is like, you can look into yourself and decide that this is something that you've done that you want to change. Fine. But also make sure you're putting as much energy, if not way more energy, into getting actual progressive causes moving forward and getting actual systemic issues and actual systems of oppression broken down. Getting blackface banned from old episodes of the BBC is not going to break down this like militaristic capitalistic society that we got going on, bruv. You you, you got to do that yeah. and then turn around and do something way more impactful. But Get, good first step. Good job on your poopies. Yeah. <laughs> Get woke. It's probably more important to fight against the obvious wars people in America right now are trying to start with Venezuela and Iran the like people in our government trying to push Dude. us towards war every day with those countries F- fighting against that should take up way more importance in your mind than getting rid of these statues but getting rid of the statues is also important it's so important don't just don't let it preoccupy your entire mind all right so adrian and paul lecture hour is over <laughs> i hope you had enough fun with the pet stuff to bear through this part <laughs> Yeah, I think we kind of did our big fact no cap right there. I think we both yeah. delivered our testament to how we think the world should be organized around our ideals. Um, <laughs> and for the pet owners that are coming for us, bye. We love every single one of you freaks, even though you guys are big old freaks. Every single one of you is like, I think Megan the Stallion wrote her song Big Old Freaks about you fucking weirdos that listen to this podcast. Still, we love every single one of you. We'll see you next week. All the comics get money, but they spend it on coke You can watch this on the news feeds Fucking y'all's warnings up Until America admits that it likes dogs more than us And I can see the Super Bowls of the future The Ferguson Blacks versus Missouri State Troopers The privacy rights versus the personal computers Concussion researchers versus university boosters I graduated college, I purchased all the extra books I'm supposed to be living in a house with a breakfast nook Jokes on me though, all this cheap alcohol and no Coke Zero. A shame how proximity kills your heroes. Hey yo, no poking, I'm still woke, CeeLo. Yeah, it's all ripped from the headlines. I'm all out of options like a crip on the red line. I got a deadline before I never had a deal. Stormed out of business meetings, slip on mass banana peels. I should probably shut my stupid mouth shirtless in a fur hat and Vladimir Putin out. And North Korea's got practice missiles. And I still check Yahoo, cause we both got attachment issues.